visiting and talking, and a lot of y'all have um, like helped out with watching Josh and other stuff. I mean, like, like this is kind of um, exemplifies what the body of Christ is supposed to look like, and I, I'm I'm forever humble to be a part of it here. Um, so let's pray in preparation for the message. Shifting gears. Um, and as I pray about this, I, I'm going to say this is a, a sermon I'm a little more nervous about doing. Um, and so uh, be aware that I, I have a case of the nerves this morning. Um, a lot of people would say I have a lot of nerve. But if you all could uh, pray for me this morning as well in that regard, because uh, it's kind of a tougher one. So uh, let's pray and let's, uh, let's worship God in a time of hearing, hearing his word. Heavenly Father... I pray that you be with me this morning. I, I'm a little nervous about um, doing this the right way, about preaching this passage and this text in a way that reflects um, your heart and, and Peter's intent in, in, in his epistle. I pray that you would um, just give me your spirit, that, that um, I would be faithful in doing so. Um, I pray that you be with the folks who are here, because this is kind of a sensitive topic. Um, I pray that uh, people would not, not allow... Uh, um, knee-jerk reaction or, or frustration or whatever to get in the way of, of hearing what, what Peter intended, Lord. And I pray that I wouldn't get in the way of that either. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So uh, I, we should all take a moment to reflect on how good of a job Rebecca did selecting songs for today. Because the, I'm going to read the passage for you. Um, this is uh, Peter, First Peter... Chapter 2, 13 to 17. Um, and Rebecca texted me the other, the other day and said, what's the verse? I need to pick songs. And I said, I sent it to her. Be subject for the, Lord, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do good and who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing so, you should put to silence the ignorant foolish, the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as a servant of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. So there are a lot of good hymns about this, <laughs> but she did a, a fantastic job, and I'm really grateful that, that she is diligent in doing so. Um, uh, diving into this, I'm going to go about this with a, with a little bit of a story in a different direction. Um, while my wife was traveling, I, I had to look for TV shows to watch uh, while she was gone because I couldn't watch any of the shows that we watched together or I'd get in trouble. Is there a reason my slides aren't working? Okay. Um, and, and so I, I decided to rewatch uh, a show I watched a few years ago. And I, I, the, the Office, has anybody seen The Office? You familiar with this? Like, there's a character in The Office named Ryan who is awful. He is a genuinely despicable person. And in the show, he dates a woman named Kelly on and off. And specifically, what happens is he dates her when it's convenient and doesn't date her when it's not. And he's loving toward her and tries to romance her and woo her when it suits his needs or his purposes. And then at other times, he kind of like shoves her to the side and is really disrespectful and just horrible, right? And like, like Ryan is the least likable character on the show, I think. Uh, maybe Toby, I don't know. Um, the, the, the reason I'm talking about this is um, this text 
and actually the scriptures in general, can very easily become um, that girlfriend that we date sometimes when it's convenient, and we're loving toward her sometimes when it's convenient, and then we kind of shove her to the side when it's not so much, or we start treating her like the, like the extra, you know, this person we don't care about, like when it's not convenient. Um, this passage is a great example. Um, in preparation for, for a normal sermon, I usually study about eight hours, um, researching and digging and reflecting and kind of looking at different, different takes on it. And then um, one of the things I've started doing in the last couple of years is I'll try to listen to three or four sermons on a passage before I preach it to see how other people handle it. And one of the things that I noticed over and over again with this is um, – because this is a political passage, right? Like, there's no getting around. I mean, this is just a political passage. Um, this is a passage that it seems preachers love when the good guys are in power and hate when the, or forget, conveniently forget about when the bad guys are in power. In reality, this is a really inconvenient scripture verse. And it is a really inconvenient scripture verse that applies all the time. Um, it is... It is easy to misread it. It is easy to misuse it. Um, but if we come at it right, it's powerful. Um, and, and so, like, we're gonna, I'm going to do my best. You're not going to hear a lot of, you know, this party this, that party that out of me this morning. I'm, I'm not going to do it. Um, and I'm going to do my best to not do it. I, I think it's easy to use this passage to advance your agenda, and I don't want to be that guy. Okay. So if you hear me do it, you can yell at me later. Please wait until after. Um, <laughs> so the series so far, we are verse by verse working our way right through First Peter, right? Um, this, if I had just, you know, if I was jumping around, I would never preach this sermon. Uh, <laughs> so we're, we're working our way through. Um, Peter's writing a letter to churches in Asia Minor, right, which is sort of the Mediterranean, well, everything's the Mediterranean in the ancient world. Greece and like Mesopotamia and all these guys up into Asia, like these churches are all up in this region. They are all under Roman rule. The recipients are almost all poor, right? And some of them are slaves. Um, there are a lot of contextual clues. Um, some of these folks, uh, it's, we, can, we can draw out of the text the idea that some of these folks have lost position socially because of following Christ or have been persecuted or... Um, had their property taken away or what have you. I mean, this is a tough time, and Peter is addressing a difficult situation. Um, this is ancient Rome he's in. Peter is probably writing from the city of Rome. Nero is emperor. Got it? Like, Nero, I got a quote. Actually, I read a bunch about Nero this week, but I got a great quote um, that I wanted to share with you all. See if I can find it. Ah, um, one ancient historian commented, there could be few rulers indeed whose claims on loyalty would be sustained by less personal merit than Nero. Um, to kind of translate, said that some politicians are popular, but like almost no politician can say people like me for reasons other than my personality as much as Nero, because Nero was awful. He was a bad man. He came into power at the age of 17 uh, when his mother poisoned Claudius, um, who was emperor at the time. So he was brought into power through this, this assassination. And during his time in power, he murdered his brother, murdered his first wife, murdered his second wife, 
murdered his mother, murdered lots and lots of other people. He ignited the persecutions that executed Paul and Peter and so forth. Like Nero was, dude, he was bad news, right? Now, I'm going to just touch on this again. Be subject to the Lord's, or for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor supreme or to the governors. So Peter's saying, hey, this guy who's a turkey. And by the way, if there's a guy in history that you could say, disobey him and dishonor him, Nero's the man, right? I mean, like a Hitler, I guess. You know, there are a few others. But, I mean, Nero's way up on the list. Peter's in Rome at the time. This is a few months before, like, the great persecutions kicked off. And Peter said, honor the emperor. Like, this is not a light statement. I mean, I, I've heard people over the course of my lifetime decry one president or the other. Oh, this is the worst president who's ever been president. We're all going to die. It's the end of the world. We'll be in slave camps in a month and everything's horrible. In reality, we got nothing on the ancient world. Y'all with me? Nothing. Um, because most of the ancient rulers were, were much more overt about how awful they were. Um, this text is in a household cor- code format. This was a popular thing in ancient Greece and was carried over into the uh, ancient world extensively. You would memorize this. You would repeat it every day. You would live by it. Okay? Like, there are a lot of pagan examples. There are a handful of Christian examples, and this is one. Um, so, 9 and 10, diving in. Uh, we're going to actually diving in behind where we started, and we're starting behind for a reason. This is two weeks ago, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not his people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So in 9 and 10, which is two weeks ago, right? You can go back and listen to it online. It's it's good to help you get to sleep at night if you have trouble. Um, Peter says, hey, you're not just people like slaves in a community. You're not just Gentiles. You're not just non-Roman citizens. You are a holy people. You belong to a whole separate nation. And it is a nation that is not here. Y'all with me? Everyone in this room who is a follower of Christ, this applies to you. You are a holy priesthood, a royal, or excuse me, a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a holy nation. You are separate from this world. You do not belong here. And actually, in the next verse, which we talked about last week, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Now watch this. He calls them foreigners and exiles because he's saying, now that you're believers, you're like foreigners in your own nation. Got it? You are, you are aliens. You are people passing through. You do not live here. And so don't live like the world. Live like a royal priesthood. Now, as we jump into our text, it becomes, what do you do when you're visiting a foreign country? Well, when you're visiting a foreign country, if you're smart, you don't get arrested, right? Like, if you're on vacation in Mexico, don't go to jail. You all with me? Bad idea. If you're on vacation in Jordan, I I was not vacation in Jordan. I was traveling in Jordan, and when I tried to cross into Israel, they almost pushed me back out of the checkpoint into Jordan, that would not have been a very good situation. 
fact, it would have been a decidedly bad situation. You do not want to get, like, cross the law in a place where you are not a citizen because you don't have any rights. Um, so he says, submit for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Every human authority, right? Who does that exclude? I mean, every is pretty unambiguous, right? <laughs> like, if someone is in authority, um, and this is like a big New Testament or scriptural ideas, if someone is in authority, God put them there, right? Nebuchadnezzar conquered Israel, dragged the people off into exile, you know, made some of them slaves and subjected them. He threw Daniel into a lion's den. He, you know, put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace. And um, in the prophets, we learn that Nebuchadnezzar was put into his position because God put him there. He was given the power he was given because God gave it to him. He was given the authority. He was allowed to take Israel into exile, the whole nine yards, because God ordained it. Um, In reality, authority, government, um, is something that God allows to happen the way it happens. Um, Why does that matter? Well, we'll get into that in a second, but like Peter's pretty unambiguous. Submit to them. Why? Because you have to know for the Lord's sake. What does that mean? Well, it means I don't have to submit to them because of their authority. I have to submit to them because God is my boss. You all with me? If I'm in the military, I am a lowly GI, and the, you know, the, the sergeant over me tells me, you sit right there and don't move, and the four-star general over him says... Get up and run, son. What am I going to do? I'm going to run. I'm going to say, how fast? And I'm going to go, right? Um, This is what government is. Government is a subset authority, but God is our ultimate authority. God is in charge. Um, So for the Lord's sake, we obey this human authority because it's under him. We are under them. Here we are. Um, Whether to the emperor as the supreme authority. Now, this is during a time when people worship the emperor. Hear me say that. They worship the emperor. Nero um, is well known because like his, he's the first emperor to come along and say, not only should you worship me, you should worship me before I die. Worship me now, right? Like, because usually they would worship emperors as God like after they died. And Nero is the first one to come along and force the Roman Senate to say, worship me now. And so Peter is telling them, honor this guy who says he's a god. I don't think Peter is saying, obey him like he's a god, Right? I'm not thinking that Peter is saying you should worship him if that's what they command you to do. But he is saying, honor him. Um, This is a big deal because sometimes, like I I have strong political opinions, which I will not share with you today. And sometimes I'll read where a politician I am not a fan of will say something that I agree with. And I'll think, well, I can't really agree with that guy in front of other people because... And I look like I'm on his team. Anybody else do that, or is that just me? Really, like four of us? Yeah. (laughs) Solidarity. Um, He's saying, listen, honor the guy even though. Respect him even though. Treat him this way even though. Um, Because he's the supreme authority, meaning everything falls under him. 
or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Now, the governors, like the way the Roman Empire was set up, you would have an emperor, and then sometimes you would have kings, and under them you would have governors. Or you would have no kings, you'd just have governors who were all over the place. And the governor would run the show. Pontius Pilate was essentially a governor, right? He ran a community. Um, So when Peter says, listen, respect the governors because their job is to keep order, which is more or less what government exists for, right? Like the government exists to, you know, keep people from burning their neighbor's house down, to keep people from stealing cars, to keep people from, like, you know, stealing and doing all kinds of other bad stuff. There are some positive ends to that. Um, But, like, we have to back up and recognize, God put that government there in place. It is there for a reason, and our job is to respect it and to treat it with respect. Now, there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, Part of the reason for that is because we're Jesus' representatives, Right? If everybody in the neighborhood knows that I cheat on my taxes, because and I don't, I don't even do my taxes. My wife does them. Um, but if everybody, in, like, if everybody knows Eric cheats on his taxes, like, how am I representing Christ at that point? Am I doing it well? If I say love your love your enemies the way Christ commanded us, and I can't manage to say one nice thing about the president or about, you know, or actually not even can't manage to say one nice thing. If I've got nothing but venom to dump out, do you all know folks like that? You run into them and you know you're going to hear politics like right after hello and you know it's going to all be like acid. Like when folks encounter us, they're encountering a representative of Christ. They're encountering a royal priest who stands before Christ. And a lot of times the world encounters these royal priests, and what they encounter is bitterness and anger and agenda and everything else, right? Um, At the end of the day, though, when we get overly invested in this stuff, when we become all about fighting the bad guys on the other side of the political aisle, we're splitting our loyalty. And watch me when I say this. Um, I read a – did anybody see the movie, the TV series Band of Brothers? It's amazing. Great stuff. Um, there's this battle at the end of the series where the American army is encircled by the Germans. It's called the Battle of the Bulge, right? And all of the soldiers in the, uh, um, I can't remember the division name, but they all basically were on 24-hour combat duty guarding the lines. And they were fighting day in, day out, you know, snowing on them. They're falling asleep and waking up buried in the snow, and they're fighting and they're fighting. If one of the guys says, wait a minute, guys, I know the Germans are coming. I know there's a tank right over there i got like four chapters left in my book. Can you guys give me five minutes, and I'll just get to a breaking point, and I'll fold the page over, and I'll come fight with you? That would never be acceptable, right? Or, hey, guys, I know it's time to fight, but I've got an important letter to write because I don't like how this is being done in the Army. Like, I need to get this done, so that, and then I'll come fight with you. But let me finish my letter. Anybody want that guy in their foxhole? <laughs> Anybody want that guy on your team? Like, because if you're in the army, your whole job is to do the job. And the moment you get distracted and wander all the way over here, you create a problem. And so honoring the government, honoring governors, honoring the emperor, part of it is about honoring people that God put into power. And part of it is we can become distracted, right? We can become distracted from doing God's work and focus entirely on other stuff. Um, 
I, listening to sermons this last week, I listened to sermons about this passage that talked more about immigration policy than about Jesus. Because the officer in charge at that point, who is standing before his church to unpack the gospel, which is his job, that is, that is the battle of the bulge in our world. We get up, we preach the gospel, we save people, decided that this element of the agenda was a bigger deal than preaching the gospel. Is it a big deal? Yeah. I, I'm sure all of the national politics is a big deal. But I'm going to tell you, in 10 years, we're not going to care about this fight. In 10 years, we're not going to care about what taxes looked like this month or where gas prices were or anything else. In 10 years, some of us will be standing before Christ. And we're going to have to answer, right? In a few decades, there are folks in this room who will be judged by God. And you'll be judged by your relationship with Christ, not by your voting record. Like when Peter cautions in this way, he's saying, listen, be a good representative. Honor these folks. Do your job. Don't get distracted. Do your job. Um, Does that mean we should always obey? Well, um, the Jewish rabbis had this thing about the greater and the lesser matters of the law. And these things all run over into Peter. You all with me? Some things are more important than others. Um, for example, during the uh, 500-year gap between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, the Jews fought off the Persians to gain independence, right? And so when they kicked the Persians out, um, the Persians came back with a big, huge army, and there was a group of Jewish soldiers that stopped for the Sabbath one day. And the enemy army came over the ridge, and they're like, it's Sabbath, what are we supposed to do? If we fight, that's work. And so they all sat down, and they waited to be slaughtered, and they were all killed. Right? And they couldn't run away because that would be work. And then all the Jewish leaders got together and they said, okay, that's one way to do it. Let's not do that ever again. Right? Like, defending your life is more important than the Sabbath. Defending the guy next to you is more important than the Sabbath. Doing, you know, like, let's, um, during World War II, I read about an instance where a, uh, a Christian family was hiding a Jewish family in their home. And uh, an SS officer came to the door and said... Do you have any Jews here? And the man said, yes, because to lie would be to sin. But we might assume that like sinning and letting people be hauled off and massacred, like these aren't on the same level, right? And so there are matters that are greater and lesser manners of the law. Um, Peter actually supports this in the book of Acts when he stands before the Sanhedrin and they say, all right. Then they called them back in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And so Peter's response was, y'all are in charge. We know you're in charge, but we're going to obey God rather than men. Um, When it comes down to matters of being obedient to God, we obey God. In all other matters, we defer to the government and we obey. Like, we represent Christ. Um, Y'all ever bring your kids over to somebody's house? It is a horrifying experience, right? The first thing I, or the last thing I say to them, I ring the doorbell and I turn to them and I say, you be on your, oh, you all do that too, or you've heard it. We are God's representatives passing through this world. And Peter is saying, be on your best behavior, right? 
Do your best, do your best, do your best. For it is God's will that they do, or that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Um, so Peter says, listen, it's God's will that you behave yourself and that you act in a way that is holy and folks will look at it and they will know that you are holy. You don't get away with just being good, by the way, because um, he mentions just a few verses ago, the governors who punish evil and honor good. Part of that implies that when the governors deal with you, they're going to see you as good and they're going to treat you accordingly. Um, one of the goals here is when people encounter you and talk trash about you and they're gonna, Right. People will talk trash about you because you are the church. Like, they hated Jesus, they're going to hate us, this is it. Um, that folks around them would say, hey, you need to knock it off. Because what you're saying isn't right. These guys are okay. Um, there's an example in the ancient world, actually, where during a time of famine, um, the church... Um, did something called a benefaction where these wealthy merchants who were Christians diverted a ship full of grain to Rome. And they brought in all of this grain. We all know about grain, right? If there is not a lot of grain, what happens to the prices? They go up. And that is good for who? Good for the farmers, right? But like during a time of famine, what would sometimes happen is they would gouge people and they would let them starve. And so during this famine that, that Rome was experiencing, there's all this hardship and all this shortage of food. Um, these Christian merchants diverted a ship and brought extra grain to the city. They brought the grain into the markets and they sold it at below asking price so that people could eat. What does that do to the price of everybody else's grain? Drags it right down. Why? Because you've got to sell your grain. And if these guys are selling it at half the price, you've got to compete. And so by doing so, they made it so that people didn't starve. Um, and they were, they were recognized by the government. They were given, like, like award and attention for it. Um, it's one of those odd situations where Christians acted in a way that drew the church into public attention in a positive manner. Um, we silence ignorant talk by being Christ-like. Um, I often talk to folks who will say, you don't have to be a Christian to be good. I can be an atheist, and I can still love people. I can still serve people. I can still give money. And one of the things I often respond is, go into a city and find me a St. Nietzsche or a St. You know, Nietzsche food kitchen, soup kitchen. Find me one. Find me the atheist homeless shelter. Do it. Guess what? Nobody's ever even heard of it, right? And it's not that atheists don't love people. It's not, but like the good deeds that Christians do, which is serving the poor, feeding the poor, taking care of folks, everything else, it, it's there to silence folks. One of the things that Christians would often say when they were brought to trial in the first century, when, when they would be accused, they would turn and they would say, look at what we've done with our lives. Look at our actions. Look at what we've done. And it's hard it's hard to tear down someone who has done good. It's hard to attack someone who feeds the poor. It's hard to, like, badmouth somebody who, um, who defends and who um, makes peace and everything else. Like, like there's a reason we do this, um, because we are Christ's representatives. I, I asked Jeremy for permission, and now that he's left, I'm going to talk about him. Uh, I met Jeremy. I was angry about a ticket I received. I'm not going to be specific, but I was very angry, and I was walking to the sheriff's office because I was angry, and I was going to argue my case. 
And I, 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 that's gentle. I was ready to yell and have a fit. I was, I was mad. And as I was walking there, I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, am I being Christ-like right now? Well, no. Actually, the direction we're given is if you fall afoul of the law, make it right. If you fall afoul of your neighbor, make it right. If you, you know, you are his representatives, here you are. So I walk into the sheriff's office. I say, hey, I screwed up. I need to fix this. What do I need to do? And then two days later, Jeremy showed up at church for the first time. And I thought, man, I didn't cuss that guy out. <laughs> I am happy about it. I wasn't going to cuss him out. I never say swear words. Um, <laughs> I, I am, I'm fleshly and I'm sinful and I do my best and I fall a lot. Um, in that particular instance, I think the Holy Spirit saved me from myself because Jeremy, Jeremy's my friend, right? Jeremy's a part of our family here. Like, had I walked in the door and yelled at him, like, I would have wrecked that, right? I assume. Is that about right, Gina? <laughs> See, I put you on the spot, too. Um, and I didn't ask. Um, by behaving right, um, we put ourselves in a spot where people can't say, that guy's a hypocrite. It's true. By the way, this scripture verse is one of the greatest examples of how we look like hypocrites. Um, because we say, oh, you shouldn't badmouth that guy because this. And then we turn around two years later, and we badmouth the next guy, right? And it becomes clear that, like, our political affiliations are more important than our faith. I, I say this, man, I'm the biggest hypocrite in the world right now. I'm saying this. I'm preaching this sermon to me. I could barely sleep studying this. It was awful. Um, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Now watch this. Um, you are free. You are not owned by anyone. You are not subject to anyone. This world owns you in no way. You do not have to obey it. You do not have to be subject to it. But you belong to God. You are God's slave. You are God's servant. You belong to him. He bought you with the blood of Christ. You are forgiven and made new because Jesus died for you. And now, like as a free person, I can choose to live however I want. But I choose to live as a man who belongs to God. If that means I have to obey laws I don't like, yeah, I will. If that means I've got to pray for people I don't like, I'm going to do that too. If that means that I have to shut up about what I think sometimes, sorry, that was a bad word in my house. I've been told by my kids, if I've got to shut my mouth about things that I feel strongly about, I will. You know why? Because I'm more a representative of Christ than I am anything else. And if I convince a hundred people to vote the right way and convince zero like to follow Christ or I share the gospel never, but I share my political opinion every time my mouth opens and it taints what people see about my faith and everything else, I am a failure. I don't want to watch people vote right and go to hell. And I know pastors who do it. They will use their pulpit every opportunity to stump for one thing or another, and it's nonsense. Because the only thing that is going to save this world is Christ. The only thing that's going to save your soul is Christ. The only thing that's going to save my soul is Christ. It's not going to be the next preacher who's really good or the next writer who writes a great thing. It's not going to be the next social program. It's not going to be the next tax cut or the next tax hike or the next wall or the next this or the next that. All of it is going to wash away one day. And all that will be left is us and Jesus. And you will carry people into heaven with you. Or your behavior will be such a stink that people look at it and say, I want nothing to do with whatever it is that guy belongs to. 
and this is a lot harder than I intended to talk today. Um, but you know what? I, I feel very strongly about this. I've watched so many preachers tear up their credibility in preaching the gospel for something nobody's going to care about in five years. It's foolishness. This is First Corinthians. I know I'm long, but we did a baptism. That's my excuse. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned, uh, assigned to them, just as God called them. This is the rule I lay down for all my churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called to Christ? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what count. Each person should remain in the situation which God has called them to. Um, were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who is free when called, to, when called is Christ's slave. You are bought at a price. Do not become slaves to human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as re, is responsible to God should remain in the situation in which they were called. Um, this is kind of a complex verse, and I'm second-guessing my choice to include it now. But let me explain this. He's saying our rights are our rights. Don't force your rights down other people's throats in an effort to get your own way, but cause other people to stumble before Christ. Does that make sense? Um, don't use your rights as an excuse to put a stumbling block in front of another man. There are other passages um, where Paul will talk about, um, hey, you can eat meat sacrificed to idols, but if you do and it causes another man to stumble, you'd be better never to eat again, Right? Your voice is your voice. Your political freedom is your political freedom. Your rights are your rights. If your rights cause another man to not know Jesus, don't use them. Your freedom, if it causes another man to not know Christ, don't be free. Because you belong to Jesus ultimately. You are his property. You are his servant. And you know what? Honestly, I say that I love being Christ's servant. I wouldn't want anything else because I remember what it was like being my own servant. Show proper respect to everyone. Now watch this. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. So like we're specifically instructed, love other believers. If there are other believers that you don't love, check your heart, figure it out. Fear God. Now fear God doesn't mean a run away from him. It means like respect him. I, I, have, a, I have a shotgun I use to hunt birds. It is in a locked cabinet in my house because I fear what it can do. Right? I don't wave it around at people. I don't leave it loaded when the kids are playing. Right? Because I fear what it can do. I fear God because I take him seriously. I fear God the way I would fear a lion. I respect it. I love it. I appreciate its beauty. I ain't going to roll around a barbecue sauce and then play with it. Right? I ain't going to treat it like it's nothing. We don't treat God like he's nothing. We take him very seriously. And then honor the emperor. We're not told to fear the emperor. We're not told to love him. We're told to honor him. Um, the reason all of this boils down is because we're the church. We are the body of Christ. We're adopted into his family. We, we live in a separate world, right? We're citizens of a separate nation. We're somewhere else. I'm passing through this place. You're passing through this place. I ain't living here forever. 
One day my car will rust. It's already on its way. One day my house will fall down, and it's not really my house anyway, so one day all of my money will belong to someone else. One day my clothes will fall apart. One day I'll be in the ground, and I'll be, no, I'll be cremated, and I'll be nothing but dust spread to the, spread to the sea, and, and I won't be here anymore. I'll stand before God, and everything I have will be there, and I'm going to live my life like I'm heading there. We're going to close up this morning with um, the Lord's Supper. Um, And as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, I want to remind you, I'm going to call my guys forward. I'm going to remind you, as we take the Lord's Supper, um, when 